1: Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. And I have on Locked on Devils host Trey Matthews. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Joe. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Well, thank you very much. I actually really appreciate uh, yesterday's episode you did. We were talking about uh, Ty Smith yesterday um, behind uh, the scenes, but we talked about um, a little bit that we want to discuss uh, the prospects that we have in the past few drafts and the AHL pipeline and what you know the future holds for this team.
2: All right. Sounds good.
1: All right. So before we jump on, um, can you tell the listeners uh, about your podcast and um, and what you kind of expect going tonight versus the Islanders?
2: Sure. So um, I I am the host of Locked On Devils. That's a daily podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. I post uh, Tuesdays through Saturday, uh, usually Early in the morning at around six a.m. Eastern time, so that way, uh, you know, you can listen to it on your way to work, school, or if you're on your morning jog, whatever the case might be. And um, basically, I talk about pre-game analysis, post-game analysis. I give player profiles, my opinions. We talk about world, uh, real-world issues, whatever the case might be. It's just a lot of fun to do, and you know, it's just an array of things I like to discuss. And like you stated. Uh, One of my latest episodes was a player profile surrounding Ty Smith because even though he was drafted in the first round, I felt like a lot of people didn't really know who Ty Smith was just due to the fact that it took him a while to get to the NHL. And now he's making some noise, and I just felt like his story needed to be shared. Um, And just my most recent episode that I posted today was a a few scenarios that the New Jersey Devils could potentially do to try to get Jack Eichel without trading away their young core.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a very tough uh, thing that we're going to try and hit on later in the episode, which, you know, I mentioned publicly, uh, I teased yesterday or early today. Um, I do want to touch on, well, Amanda Sting put out five hours ago that um, the Devils versus the Islanders, you have Andres, um, Kyle Palmieri on that first line. Tell me what you think they can do versus the Islanders.
2: So uh, for Janssen and Paul Mary, so uh, for Paul Mary, this is the, uh, to begin the season, I, I believe the first nine games uh, of the of the year, he didn't have a goal. Uh, and that's the longest he's gone to begin a season without scoring a goal. But obviously, he started to get it going uh, against the Boston Bruins, in which we were able to upset them. So. Uh, for Janssen and Paul Mary. So uh, for Janssen, I, I believe he's kind of fallen underneath the radar. I believe he had a lot of high expectations going into the season. I believe a lot of people wanted him to do what he did in either his second or his third year with the Toronto Maple Leafs, in which he had a lot of points. And obviously he hasn't done so yet, but his plus minus has been improving. Uh, he's slowly but surely been getting more comfortable into rough system and just uh, tallying up the points. So uh, I believe for Janssen and Paul Mary, they're sort of like the dark horses. So Paul Mary is just someone who could catch fire. We've known uh, what he can do ever since, like, what, 2015, 2016 when he first joined the Devils. So um, Paul Mary is just a a goals getter. So, you know, uh, just get the shots on goal and eventually – trickle by so that's what I keep telling about Brat, Zaka, and Paul Mary, which is just keep shooting the puck and one of you will find the back of the twine and one of you will lead us to victory so I love it when I see one of those three players coming out aggressive and for uh, Jansen just take it slowly but surely and you know if he just plays his game his production will be just fine.
1: Yeah and we talk a lot about production you mentioned Brat I mean when he was drafted, he was in the late rounds and he's really turned into from a top nine to a top six forward, playing on the left wing, playing on the right wing. Sometimes he's been versatile. Um, when I first saw him and he started uh, playing more of the North American game, I really saw that, you know, he could shoot the puck on net and almost the way he releases it is just very accurate and it's very sneaky fast and um, I think the Devils can do a lot of damage with Zaka as the center tonight. They could, if they choose to pass less and shoot more. I think maybe you could also do that as a decoy, and you can pass it to Gusev, who could snipe it in. But uh, one thing that I criticize Gusev is his uh, his foot speed. Um, not to mention, he's starting to pick it up on the six man attack.
2: Right. So, um yeah, for Nikita Gusev. So, uh for players like Gusev, they usually have to, you know, perform really well, otherwise they're going to just like fall out of favoritism and out of the rotation. So, you're right. You hit the nail on the head when you uh worry about Gusev's speed. It's because like, you know, if he doesn't keep up with the New Jersey Devils, slowly but surely, you know, he's going to fall out of uh favoritism, but I felt like last season he he played um He played really well. Obviously, he's not really on pace to match the numbers he did last uh, year because last year he played in 66 games, had 13 goals, 31 assists for a grand total of 44 points. And this season through 14 games, only two goals, two assists, and, you know, plus minus is negative seven. So uh, Gusev, I I don't know what's been going on. I guess just um, the the change of the coaching staff really doesn't really match – what he's able to bring to the table. And you usually see that in a coaching change where you see one or two players just way off the mark than what they're normally uh, capable of doing. And, you know, th- that just happens when, when – um, because the New Jersey Devils, we had to clear house last season. You know, we had to trade away Hall. We had to trade away Green. We fired our coach. We fired our GM. You know, all the above. Now, you know, we got uh, Fitzgerald. Now we got uh, Ruff. Now we got a bunch of these new players like Murray who's not really – Doing all that well right now, kind of lost his starting spot along with uh, P.K. Subban. Um, Then, then, you know, we got Janssen, um, who's solid. Uh, I think we're just waiting for him to just really, uh, you know, take it to another level. And then obviously, sadly, we couldn't get Corey Crawford to, you know, suit up one game for us. And now, you know, we have Gusev, who's kind of like, you know, we we had some, you know, bigger expectations for him because, you know, I just uh, shared to you his stats. And I thought, I thought he would be a great passer, but obviously, you know, I think it's just the coaching game plan for Gusev because he's just way off the mark.
1: Yeah. And you talk about like players that are off the mark, you know, Gusev's just having one of those years, but one guy that's really been off for me is uh, Travis Zajac offensively. Um, you know, you'd kind of look at his contract year. He's, He's really up there in age. At I know I'm 32, but he's 35. Yeah, he's amassed over a thousand career games, and he just hit that milestone just recently. But I think that I think he's physically taxed at this point in his career, and I don't know if he's going to want to play another season or two because you know this is a new staff, and I don't know if he's fully confident in staying long term, but. I would like to see what he can do the rest of this shortened season. And maybe if Tom Fitzgerald decides to give him a contract or not.
2: So uh, I've been saying this on my show a lot. I do not expect Jack to be back with the New Jersey Devils next season, unfortunately, because like you said, he's up there in age. He's been w- with us through thick and thin, obviously um, hasn't been able to win a Stanley cup, but he did go to the Stanley cup finals. With us when uh, we played the, uh, the the Kings, but obviously you know we, I was there. yeah we, we didn't win, but still uh, at least he went to the Stanley Cup Finals. that's more than a lot of other players could say. So you know he's been with us through thick and thin, and um, obviously this is just a, it's just another turning point in our organization where we're trying to take things into a different direction, and yeah, uh, Zayak he's been with us since 2006, like the, like ladies and gentlemen I'm, I'm 21 years old. So he's been with us <laughs> since I was in what? Kindergarten or first grade. So it's gonna be really hard, but I don't expect him to be back with the New Jersey Devils next season. I either expect for him to A retire or B go to a contending team to maybe have one more chance to win a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah. I was talking to another person, um a good friend of mine on the show, and we said, What are the options left for his Ajax and he goes A, retirement, B, the Islanders. And the only reason why he would ever go to the Islanders is to be with Lou Lamorello, the GM who drafted him, Mm -hmm. along with David Conti. But other than that, Zajac is a lifetime devil. He's not going to want to go. I doubt he's going to pull an Andy Green.
2: Well, Andy Green was traded in his defense. But uh,
1: let's see, another longtime devil who
0: almost went
2: to a New York team. Who does that remind me of? But he changed his mind at the last minute, Patrick Eliash.
1: Yeah, they gave him that special clause.
2: So it could happen.
1: You just never know. But, like, um, we're talking about a lot of these young guys, and um, one of the guys that really hit off during the pandemic was Belarusian Minsk native Yegor Sharangovich, who really lit off the KHL in scoring. And he's seen the back of the net a couple of times this season. Um, what do you make of him?
2: So after he got that game-winning goal against the Boston Bruins that gave us our uh, first win of the year, I actually renamed my show for a week just as promotion, Locked On Sharon Govich, because I just love <laughs> I just loved the determination and effort that I saw from him. So obviously he didn't really do anything in, in game one, but here's the one thing he did do. He drew like three or so penalties. Like he was putting his body on the line, and um, uh, putting the Devils into power play opportunities. Obviously, we didn't capitalize on them, but just the fact that he was giving us those opportunities, uh, using his body like as a rag doll kind of thing, just, you know, um, just overall. I I just said, you know what? This kid might actually, you know, surprise a lot of people. Maybe he won't win the Calder Memorial Trophy, but at the same time, you know, I think we have something in uh, Sharon Govich. Obviously, he scored uh, three times this year. Uh, he's been sent down to the taxi squad a couple times, but, you know, that happens when, you know, you're a young player. And, um, you know, obviously it seems like every th- three games, the New Jersey Devils have to switch up their lineup because, you know, like now he's out uh, with another injury or or something like that. Uh, so, yeah. you know, um, for Sharon Govich, uh, so while he was playing with the uh, with the uh, KHL, so interesting fact.
1: Dean Mominsk, yes.
2: Yeah, so – he actually wasn't doing too well at first, but then he worked hard and then, you know, he was able to just, uh, improve upon his numbers. So you love the determination and the effort that he was, um, just able to do. So, uh, to give you some reference, uh, while he was playing with the, um, uh, while he was playing with the, uh, AHL devils, uh, last season, you know, he played in 57 games and had 10 goals and 15 assists for a grand total of 25 points. But then when he went to the KHL, uh, during the 2020 and 2021 season, while he was on loan in 34 games played, he, he matched that he he had 25 points. So, and that's, um, and that's 23 less games. So, uh, played. So just, just the determination and effort. Uh, so like, just like I talked about during his time with the Binghamton devils, and then just being able to go over to the KHL and just redeem himself. And uh, he was actually an alternate captain for, um, uh, for his team out in the KHL. So just, just, I love the determination in the effort that Sharon Govich has and brings. And uh, honestly, I think we might've found a diamond in the rough. I think we found a lot of those uh, this year especially with the adaptability that the new jersey devils have had to do especially with just so much that's been hitting on them
1: yeah and you talk about diamonds the rough you know that's what professional scouting does and you know uh, miles wood was an early round pick um in his draft class he was a second rounder if i recall um he went to play for bc for a few years but he's been a wrecking ball as of late but um one of the critiques about uh Miles is he's once in a while gets uh, too many dumb penalties but uh careless passing at times but um he really has been scoring a lot more this year and he's been productive in the points department since his extension uh 2.75 million per season for the next uh couple seasons through 22 23 um can I ask you a question if the devils
2: yeah, uh, who right. did you think? Okay, so obviously, uh, it's still early in the year, we've only played about 30 percent of our games. I know the season's not over at this point in the year. Who would you have thought would be leading our team in goals?
1: I would be, I would have been saying at least Jack Hughes. At okay,
2: point. uh, it's actually Zaka and Wood tied for six right now.
1: Yeah, I mean. When here's the thing about Zaka. Um, It's not it's not a negative against him. It was the system he was under for the past several seasons under John Hines. And to me, that stunted a lot of his growth, or at least delayed that growth. And a few seasons ago, when um, Corey Massasak started writing for The Athletic, one of the first things he wrote about was Zaka started uh, to work on his shooting more. So I'm not as surprised, but um, this being the first year under Lindy Ruff, um, it is a good surprise. I'm actually happy to see.
2: Yeah. And, um, he's been on a roll the last couple of games. Like he got off to a slow start this year. Like I, I know a lot of people were on him because I believe for the four, first uh, three or four games of the season, he put up nothing but zeros, but, um, after some time, he he's been on a decent roll the past couple of games, especially in that Sabers game uh, just a couple of days ago.
1: Yeah, the Sabers every time they play Lanus Ulmark, it just
2: they it, make the Sabers like never a gave
1: the Devils a light a day to, when they shoot. they make
2: the Sabers look like a playoff team every time they play them for some reason. I don't know why.
1: I think over time, like here is the thing: the Devils pass a little too much when they face a goaltender like Ulamar, but really when Lindy Ruff started implementing the uh, traffic up front in the goaltender to take away the eyes and whatnot, you know, they started seeing better crisper passes and better shots on net. And the results were a lot better, but it wasn't a hundred percent to what they wanted, but they did improve that one game when they won an overtime with Zaka scoring that overtime goal.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, in that in that game against the Sabers, they were Jack Eichel-less. Uh Omark had to leave the game early, and Taylor Hall. Uh, I don't think he scored this year, has he?
1: Uh, at this point, let me let me double check that. I just checking online. Taylor Hall. It's been a while since I've seen that guy. I still have his jersey, uh, the Devil jersey. Okay, one,
2: he has one goal. He has one goal.
1: That's uh, one
2: goal and that came that came uh on the first game of the year for the sabers
1: yeah he he has one in the 2021 he only had one goal 11 assists in 19 games so there you go on that one i mean buffalo yeah not that's not classic carroll he should Hall just no. come back to new jersey quite honestly
2: <laughs> if, if he only signed a one year deal
1: yeah, you'd never know sometimes with free agents. It's just, you know, they decide to go one place and they say they go to another. But really, that's why you don't overcommit to someone. Um, yeah, I wanted to look at um, the prospects that, you know, Devils fans have been craving for. Um, you know, this past pandemic draft, we had the 2020. Um, a lot of people are excited about Alexander Holtz. Um, Dawson Mercer and some people just, uh, were like WTF when, uh, Shakir Muhammad Dulin was, uh, was picked in 20th overall. I was one of those people. Um, <laughs> I was for a moment, but, um, the thing is the devils always have a good track record with bringing in Russian players.
2: That is true. So I'll, I'll hold them accountable to that. All I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure there were still some, uh, better, Pieces available, or better players available.
1: Like uh, the one of the guys I was thinking about at the time was uh, Alexander Poshin, but I wasn't sure how Dr. Amy Kimball and the way you know the evaluation process would go because that's pretty much a top secret thing, kind of like a a CIA thing. So. You can't really hack those things when it comes to the Devils and their. Well, worst comes
2: to worst, they can always trade them.
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing, Muhammad Dulin. If you, I'm not sure if you watch the World Juniors, but he was one of the top defenders for that team with Daniel Chaika, who's in this year's draft as one Russia's best defensemen. So Muhammad Dulian actually has a really good uh, skating game he can shoot the puck very hard and he's he's still pretty physical but he's just starting to add on muscle so i know you promote that nutrition bar on your podcast i think there's a bunch <laughs> of those am i allowed to say it on your show bill
2: yeah bill of bar course. bill bar the uh the the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar uh go to billbar.com and use the promo code locked on 20 and you'll get uh 10 off your first order
1: and there you go and uh, and if you're in the KHL Dave Shakir and Muhammad Doolin you can just eat those while you're resting up and getting ready for the the.
0: Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party
2: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
0: whoa take it easy Judy <laughs>
1: The Gagarin Cup, which is their version of the Stanley Cup in the KHL, and it's a really good league for a kid like him who is, you know, 19 years old and just starting to gain experience. I mean, he's he's paid his dues in the MHL VHL. For the, I'm not sure if you know this, but the MHL is the world is their junior system. VHL is their AHL. Oh, system. okay.
2: That it's always so confusing out there. Quite honestly.
1: <laughs> I know it's not um perfectly ter- like uh like the terminology isn't quite set you know when it comes to the European leagues but that's how they usually do it and um he's been playing for Salavat Yulayev um in the KHL and he's starting to pick up a lot of minutes but um he did have an injury just recently so he's not playing right now but he does have a really good game overall he has 10 points in 39 games at the khl level
2: all right so yeah okay so seeing some potential right there i i i get you i get you so yeah yeah um he strikes me as more as a stay-at-home defender kind of kind of uh player based on his track record if i'm being honest with you because you know and there's nothing wrong with that
1: Yeah, you need more players that can be solid, you know, protecting the crease. Like when I watch him, he's physical. He likes to not necessarily poke check, but push you off, you know, your game and just throw you off and make sure you don't get too comfortable, which is important because, you know, you're going to have guys at the NHL level who are going to try and uh, invade the space of the Royal Road, which is what? Valiquette calls that golden high-danger zone where you create a lot of scoring drives. That's where a lot of scoring is caused at this point in the game. And you want to have those guys that, that back you up.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I, like I said, I was surprised when the Devils drafted him. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But at the same time, maybe they see something in him that, you know, we – uh, that you know we didn't see at the time. So, like you said, when you when you watched the uh, World Juniors Cup, and he said you said he was playing excellent defense. That's actually what we need, quite honestly, because the Devils' defense is atrocious, and it's like a, a rookie is right now leading um, our defensive squad at this point. So, it's just like um, I, we need all the defensive help we can get. Um, he's not the person I had in mind, but at the same time. It seems like, um, you know, it it seems like he's more focused on just trying to be an anchor below the blue line and just protect the crease and just overall he's not too worried about, you know, uh, padding his stats. And that's actually a good thing to have because, you know, uh, usually the two-way defenseman can be a a big liability in the sport of hockey. So it's like overall just – I think this kid is going to really – you know may surprise a lot of people and that's what the devils are known for we draft a lot of people and uh you know they usually end up surprising a lot of people quite honestly because like look at look at the amount of players that are on our roster that are surprising a lot of people right now including surprising me if if i'm being completely honest with you joe
1: <laughs> yeah i was going to say like you know i had a couple of friends well this was before i started knowing you as, you know, locked on Devils podcast, you know, during the summer I had a bunch of other Devils podcasters. We did um, like a a draft ranking of the first round and one guy had six correct picks and I actually uh, had Holtz a little bit uh, further out um, like around ninth overall. And I actually had um, Yaroslav Askarov at seven. Because I thought, you know, because he's a really high-end goaltender, the way he played, you know, before and during and after the World Juniors. And I figured, you know, the doubles could have easily taken him. But I was wrong. But I was happy that, you know, the best player available was Holtz, you know, right after. And I want to get into Holtz there. And So for
2: think. Alexander Holtz, I actually did an episode back in, I believe, August where I said – it's very possible that the New Jersey Devils can draft him because, like, uh, he was one of the top ranked European skaters. And I did an episode as to do I expect Alexander Holtz to, um, you know, come to New Jersey because, you know, I, I, I said it's very possible. And, um, you know, overall, I, I think he would have been or he's going to be a something special, quite honestly, because. The one thing about Alexander Holtz, the one thing I talked about in my show, is that he is a sniper. Like that dude can shoot the puck with uh, with ease. Like uh, one year, he played in 38 games, had 30 goals, 17 assists for a grand total of 47 points, and that's in 38 games played. That's impressive, right there. Uh, that was that was just a couple of seasons ago with um, uh, w- with a team in uh, Sweden that he was playing with. So. It, it it's just over overall, I think Alexander Holtz, uh, once he gets to the NHL level, I think um I think uh, he'll be a good fit for the New Jersey Devils. Um I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Um I thought that the New Jersey Devils would draft someone else uh with their pick uh in the draft, and that was uh Jamie Drysdale. I, I was really set on Jamie Drysdale coming to the New Jersey devils because uh, I I wanted a top rated defensive man. And I said, okay. uh, So at the lockdown podcast, we actually did a, a a draft uh, prediction episode amongst all the uh, top uh, 10 picks. Like, you know, so we had locked on Rangers, locked on Kings, locked on senators, locked on Red Wings. And we all got together and we basically just did a round table of who we think our team is going to select. And, um, You know, the the Locked On Ducks (laughs) host, his name is Jason Hernandez. He was really set on the uh, Ducks selecting Alexander Holtz because apparently the Anaheim Ducks have a good history of drafting Swedish players. So I was like, okay, that means um, that means uh, Jamie Drysdale is going to come to us. I was really set on Jamie Drysdale coming to New Jersey, if I'm being completely honest with you. I'm glad that we got Holtz, and I'm glad that we got the next available player, Mm -hmm. but, you know, he wasn't – I'm just going to be completely honest and just, you know, remind my listeners right here, (laughs) Alexander Holtz was not my set-in-stone pick.
1: Yeah, I was – well, one of the things was I was looking at, um, you know, the Ducks were on the board. I was thinking, you know, the Ducks are really short on – um, defenseman, and you know, that there was already um Sanderson was off the board. I, I, already. Can I say something else? Like, I am so surprised
2: mm-hmm. that Sanderson went before Drysdale. I thought Drysdale would go before Sanderson, and uh, I'm gonna give you an interesting like, fact. So, if Sanderson and Drysdale were not selected within the first uh top five picks, I believe that would have been the first time since uh the early 2000s, I believe 2003. Don't quote me on that that a defensive man was not selected within the first five picks.
1: Yeah. For those you who remember correctly, in 2003, if I remember correctly, that was Zach Parise's draft, if I can remember. That was the best draft class in, like, if I can remember. It's, like, 18 years. That was, like, the best birth Yeah, year. so
2: – yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was uh, two thousand three because uh, Ryan uh, Sutter went uh, number seven th- that year to the uh, Nashville Predators,
1: and there was a lot of moving up that day. And uh, and when you were talking about Alexander Holtz, like um, I was thinking if the Ducks didn't get Drysdale, I would have been happy to have Drysdale, just the way he made things look easy, but. Um, You talked about Alexander Holtz's uh, uh, J-20, not J-20, but his J-18 Al Spenskin numbers and his uh, J-20 Super Elite, which is his under-20 junior uh, Jurgarden uh, ice hockey uh, numbers. So he had 30 goals, 17 assists, 47 points, and 38 games. So that's when he really came on the map in the 18-19 season.
2: And, um, you know, Alexander, Alexander Holtz, um, obviously, uh, the the following year, he kind of when he was playing for the uh, SHL, he so the in 2018, 2019, he he only played three games for them. But then the next year, he played 35 games for them, nine goals, seven assists for 16 points. So the one thing I always like about uh, prospects or the one thing I always look at is, do they show improvement? Because, you know, they're still young, they're still uh, developing. So the one thing I look is, are they taking steps back? Because if they're taking steps backwards, that's a red flag. Because, it, you know, how are we supposed mm-hmm. to develop them if they're taking –
1: for every step forward they're taking, they're taking two steps back. So, yeah. Yeah, which is a decrease in their development, and which is not even a development. But when we think of this next player – um. Dawson Mercer, I had him ranked 11th overall on my uh, my draft day list, and I was floored when the Devils got him at 18th overall. Um, I'll be flat out honest; his defense is very good. His forechecking is just a, is really where I want a player that I want to have when he develops. well, he's a third or second or first line uh, center winger. And, you know, having him playing for the QMJHL, you know, that's a, usually a high-scoring um, conference in the CHL where, you know, he had been traded from one team in Drummondville, Voltageur, and then he went to Shakutami, Um In 1920, he had 60 total points in over 42 games.
2: And he also played in the World Juniors uh, just a couple months ago, if I remember correctly, in which Canada was uh, yeah. upset by Team USA.
1: That is, well, that is correct. That's the second time I've seen Team USA beat Canada um, the past few years. Sorry to my uh, fellow co-host, Jake Wakeley, who's going to be listening to this later. Um he's busy. he's a father right now, so um I am sorry to mention that, but um uh, you got us good back in uh two thousand ten in Vancouver, so that's <laughs> a little payback yep
2: there. well pay <laughs> payback is uh well, no, I can't say that uh revenge is a dish best cold. It's revenge is a dish best served cold
1: <laughs> yeah it's like serving cold poutine,
2: oh man he's gonna <laughs>
1: It's fre- that's French fries, cheese curds, and gravy. Sounds like a heart attack. Um, uh, actually, if you haven't gone to Pomfrey in New York City in Manhattan, start it with a small portion. You'll be good. I will there.
2: next time I'm in New York, but the traffic there is awful. The traffic in East Coast is
1: awful. <laughs> yeah, I was. I would say this um, next time they hold a draft in Montreal. That's what I'm going to dish out.
2: but but uh
1: all honestly back to dawson
2: mercer we were uh discussing about uh his numbers and just his production so i actually um i actually talked to someone uh he's a friend of mine who plays hockey he thinks that dawson mercer is going to be a bust quite honestly he says that's why mercer fell a few spots down is because um you know overall there's just nothing impressive about him. Like there's nothing that jumps out to him. Like, you know, and you know, obviously in 2015, 2016, um, you know, we see that he had 68 points, but other than that, or, you know, 2018, 2019 has, and then he had 64 uh, points again, but um, he just doesn't think that Dawson Mercer is impressive. And obviously I said, like, you know, I don't think uh, you're looking at the full picture of what Dawson Mercer can contribute potentially My question to you is, what do you say to my friend who thinks that Dawson Mercer is going to be a bust?
1: Well, here's the thing. A bust is a player who is not good, A, mindset-wise. B, they don't play the game right physically. They're not there, you know, to support the team. And they're not there to be in every game. To me, when I watch Dawson Mercer... I noticed that he forechecks a lot, very strong along the wall. He plays a 200-foot game, and he goes all out, whether it's his first game or it's his last game, whether he's playing against Austria or he's playing against the U.S. He goes all out, and he does whatever he can to help his team win, whether they win or not. And there's a reason why he became part of Hockey Canada is because he could support that third, second line and add skill and depth. So let me put it this way. How is a guy a bust on a major hockey country like Canada, where they see potential in supporting that team, and they end up getting a silver medal? And that's one of the hardest accomplishments to get after your draft year and eventually make, you know, and get an entry-level contract, which he did. By Tom Fitzgerald.
2: Yeah. And that's why I tried telling him, I'm like, I don't think I could agree with you on that because, you know, um, just also he, he's sort of like a two way player because, you know, we see what he's able to do on the defense just a little bit, uh, you know, because uh, uh, according to Elite Prospects, he's able to pick apart uh, on the puck defenders, um, you know, so he's able to break down those defensive coverages. So, you know, we look at his offensive numbers and, you know, we look at those couple of seasons that he had uh, with Canada back in uh, 2015, 2016, and also uh, 2018, 2019. Um, yeah, he he was off the mark in 2019, 2020. But keep in mind, he, he put up 42 points in 26 games. He didn't even play half the games that he played in 2018, 2019. So my thing to it, my thing to my friend is, is that, I think you need to look at the bigger picture about Dawson Mercer. You know, will he be the next um, you know, the the next big thing for New Jersey? No, probably not. But at the same time, I think he could contribute uh at a good enough um at a at a high enough level that uh the Devils will see value in him.
1: Right. And one of the things I like about him is that he ha- he plays that sulky trophy type game. Like he does a lot of takeaways. He doesn't give away the puck. He takes away the puck, which creates opportunities. When you create opportunities, you create offensive flow from your defense. And that is an important stat that the analytics team and the Devils organization actually sees value in every player that they look in the scouting. So I would say that is a big key driver going long term.
2: Uh, Another prospect that I want to switch the subject a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about another devil's prospect. Riley Walsh, the native from Harvard. Uh, Obviously he was teammates with Adam Fox and Adam Fox is doing pretty well with the Rangers. Mm -hmm. Like last year he was leading that uh, sorry, defensive unit for the New York Rangers. Now who was the (laughs) uh, head defensive coach for the Rangers last season? It was Lindy Ruff, and who did well, Adam Fox. My my hot take is if Riley Walsh gets the opportunity, which is likely, to play alongside with Lindy Ruff, do you think Riley Walsh has a chance to be the next Adam Fox?
1: I think he could be something similar, if not a little bit better. I saw him recently not just you know doing a nice slap shot goal like a Brian Rafalski, but I did see him skate up the ice nice and smoothly, for Binghamton and score a goal coast to coast, which I know it's the AHL, but the AHL is a lot harder than playing the NCAA to an extent. So really, I like the footwork on him. I like the mind on him. I really think if he finishes out this uh, full AHL season, let's let's see what he can do going into the next season in training camp. Yeah, I mean – I think uh, I don't know, I'm not
2: sure if you knew this or not, but while they were playing for the Harvard Crimson, uh, Riley Walsh and Adam Fox, they actually led their team in points and they were both defensive men. Like it's it's really rare to see uh, your your two defensive men leading your team in points. So I think for for Riley Walsh, if he just gets that opportunity to play with Lindy, and just, uh, you know, do what he's currently doing in uh, for the Bing and Tim Devils. I think we have another diamond in the rough, quite honestly.
1: And, you know, you talk about offensive defenseman and Lindy Ruff. When Lindy Ruff was last in Dallas, when he got there, he helped turn around John Clintonberg's game, which, you know, he really started turning his offensive game around and – they, he started fitting that run and gun offense and having that defenseman uh, on the rush coming in, being that fourth attacker really makes a difference. And you want to pepper as much as you can on the goaltender. And that creates, you know, scoring drives. And if you put enough traffic up front and let's say, Future devil, Nolan Foote comes up. The son of Adam He's big body, tips a puck in. Yep. It, his, his, uh, uh, his father's number is
2: retired by the Colorado Avalanche. So, big.
1: And I know many listeners don't want to talk about the uh, Avalanche from 2001, but that could have been a fourth Stanley Cup total.
0: More than once actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out. There, I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For the double.
2: Let's not talk about Things
1: that. Go right. Let's not
2: turn <laughs> listeners away.
1: No, nah, I'm just I'm just saying that was just, you know, because it's right. his foot and it's his son. But anyways, I'm just saying um Nolan Foot he has a shot that his foot his footwork was just the one thing that needed the most work, but I think the way he's playing, 6 total points in 8 games, 3 goals, 3 assists. I think he could be ready soon, well, sooner ready. Well, he has to do
2: well because we traded Blake Coleman for him, so he, he he better do well and he's also the son of a well-respected uh NHL player in Adams. so you know, obviously, you know, has a lot to live up to because, you know, his father won a couple Stanley Cups with the Avalanche as you mentioned. So, you know, that that's a uh, big shoes to fill if you're Nolan, but I believe I believe our our young players uh joe i i I just believe that the devils have a good prospect system that uh a lot of people are overlooking because look we have ty smith and did anybody anticipate ty smith to be in the calder memorial trophy race nobody if 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 somebody said they were they're lying
1: I I'm not as surprised now but like I knew like over the past 2 seasons when he was drafted he had the potential offensively to get there. It was just a matter of not if but when. And the climax or the crescendo, it, I like to call it, has started. So really this the big orchestra is beginning and people are starting to see it. Um that reminds me when Walsh gets here you're going to also have another defenseman ready in Michael Vukoyevich.
2: and uh, you, you were talking about Mike. What do you? What do you? What are you, um, what are you saying? What,
1: what am I saying is I? I see a big, gritty, physical defenseman who could also chip in offensively. Uh, you have a guy that can block a lot of shots, be physical like a smaller uh, Anton Volchenkov. You know that kind of young guy. And then you also have Nikita Ohachuk, who's a similar type. And, you know, Ohachuk also blocks a lot of shots. And, you know, over the years, the Devils never really had defensemen that would block shots because they just weren't those type of players. And unless you were Vol- Volchenkov, you really put your sh- your body in front of the net or you were Andy Green blocking shots on net. And the Devils need those kinds of defensemen who will sacrifice I was talking about Sharon Govich
2: doing that uh, earlier in game one against the Boston Bruins when I saw him just at one point he had to get checked up upon by the trainers. Luckily he was still, still able to get back into the game. So yeah. uh, Talking about Ty Smith, it's just like, he's just surprising a lot of people. Like when I did that player profile on him, I think a lot of people now see the kind of potential he, he really has uh, to just, you know, take uh, to, to make a difference now Uh, Do I think he'll win the Calder Memorial Trophy? Probably not. Most likely not. Just due to the fact that, you know, um, there's just a lot of, you know, other, you know, there's just a lot of other great players out there. And the Devils, I don't think they're going to finish in a respectable position with the way they've been playing lately. I could be wrong, but if, if like, Mackenzie Blackwood wants to win the Vesna Trophy or if Ty, Ty Smith, excuse me, wants to win uh, the Calder Memorial Trophy, the New Jersey Devils have to finish in a respectable position or maybe even get into the playoffs by by the, you know, grit of their teeth, by just like the skin of it. Just so like, you know, you could give those players that much more eyeballs looked at or attention. So you see like, oh, wait, they made the playoffs. Yes, it was barely, but at the same time, Look at who's contributing. Now, uh, going back to, like, what I was saying about Sharon Govich, Sharon Govich is, I think, um, you know, uh, surprised a lot of people because I don't think anyone knew, uh, like, what the potential the kid had to do. And then, you know, obviously – we got lucky and we had three first round picks in this uh, past year's NHL draft. And, you know, we talked about Alexander Holtz and how he's a sniper Mercer and his contribution, just being a two-way player, you know, maybe he could win the sulky award uh, sometime in the future or, you know, now uh, i uh, you know, the, the Russian stay at home defender um, you know, maybe he can help out in the long run. And overall I just think that we have a lot of great young guys Uh, That can really uh, help us out. And also like, uh, you know, when we traded for Nolan Foote and now we got uh, Adam Fox's line mate partner in Riley Walsh. Now, I got to ask you this million dollar question. This kind of steers away from the conversation. (laughs) Would you trade any of those guys to get Jack Eichel? Okay,
1: which, so which a one few them.
2: scenarios that I had in mind were uh, it's going to Riley Walsh and Ty Smith and uh, two uh, future picks. I believe they would have to be first round for Jack Eichel.
1: Uh, to be honest, I would actually say no, because I actually like the, I like the three players that we have. Um, I've seen the doubles before acquire different players in different trades. And I don't think Jack Eichel is the kind of leader you want on a team, especially the head, the headache he's had over the years with Buffalo and their ownership. And I'm not sure if he could handle being in New Jersey's uh, ownership group. And I just think that trading assets for a guy who's had a history of headaches with Buffalo uh, ownership, to me is just like a, a, re, a big red flag for me. So I say no to Jack Eichel. I love the way he has played his hockey, but um, to me, mindset and character is everything.
2: So it's a no on Jack Eichel.
1: Yes. it's a clear And also no it wouldn't be the
2: first time that, you know, we traded for a big name player and now we're stuck with their large contract. I'm I'm looking. I'm- I'm looking at you, that, PK. that is
1: absolutely correct. I mean, <laughs> PK has $9 million left. And I mean, PK Subban's taken up a lot of uh, cap space, which is 11%, by the way. It's what um, Cap Friendly tells me right on their website. You know, that's all the way through 22, 23. And I think he's going to be exposed in the expansion draft. And Seattle has to take on a big contract to get to the 81.5 million. Count, well,
2: um, I, I know their uh, play-by-play announcer uh, ever FitzHugh, who will be covering them on the radio. So maybe I could tell him to tell the front office to uh, take PK Subban, the expansion draft, please. Cause we cannot get rid of him. Like he, like how do we like he PK Subban relatively <laughs> makes us worse in every aspect. I, I literally just wrote an article about this for the hockey writers. He, um, you know, uh, according to Evolving Hockey's uh, goals above replacement chart, the only category where Subban's production is above replacement level is the power play offense. However, he's barely, you know, treading water in that respective field.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you p- probably know a good friend of this show, um, Alex chavancy who writes for the uh, hockey writers, who – Actually, does put up a lot of those similar stats, and he had another article similar talking about how the Devils have improved a few things over the past few days, but still going through that five out of six game rut.
2: Yeah. yeah, I th-
1: think that is frustrating,
2: and I just really hope we can just get it together because the thing is, we should have won against the Sabers. Like, we, there is no way. Like, what? We played them, what, like three times and we lost uh two of the three? There is no way we should be losing to the lowly Sabres at all. And the fact that we had to uh, take them into an OT just to beat them and they were eichel Uh Omar had to leave the game early, and Hall's been struggling all year really concerns me.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, PK's been so lackluster this season and last year, you know, he was just a complete mess under John Hines and just he's looks not just snakebitten, but he looks completely uh whacked out of, you know, change of scenery from Nashville. And I just think, you know, the Devils could promote another defenseman like O'Reilly Walsh to succeed him. And I have written articles on the puck authority about, you know, eventually having a successor for PK and I think Walsh would be the the right guy to be there, but um, I'm glad that Sammy Votnin is on the right hand of being a veteran, and I just think PK's days are numbered um, in New Jersey, yeah, honestly. Yeah, and
2: uh, it's already showing because, like I said earlier in the show, uh, Ty Smith and Damon Severson, they actually took the top positions of Ryan Murray and PK Subban for top defensive line for the New Jersey Devils, so slowly but surely, PK is falling out of favoritism and that fifth round pick that we traded for uh, Ryan Murray is looking better and better each day.
1: Yeah. And you, you talk about Ryan Murray, like I'm not sure if it's an injury thing right now or it's a,
2: I think Lindy said it was a healthy scratch or I don't know. I think they said they were just trying some new things because, you know, Ryan Murray just hasn't really helped them in the long run. And, Honestly, he has one year left on – uh, or this is like his final year of his contract. And I don't expect the Devils to pursue him after this. And then we essentially traded – essentially we we lost a trade then, quite honestly. I know it's a fifth-round pick, but at the same time, I would rather have something rather than nothing.
1: Right. And uh, the Devils actually can trade Ryan Murray. I actually saw him on The Athletic yesterday when I was reading – they mentioned him as one of the guys that could be dealt, and Kyle Paul Mary was also on that list. But if you can get a fourth round pick in this year's draft for him, that's a huge that's a huge return on. Oh, good an, point. I investment. forgot.
2: Yeah, we could trade him, but who would want him? Because he's injury prone and he's struggling on a lowly uh, New Jersey Devils team. But yeah, hopefully we could get just some sort of pick out of. I don't know. It's going to be really. It's going to be interesting. Do you think the Devils will try to you know? I don't think they want to be sellers per se, but at the same time, they they're, they're not contenders either. It's like I feel like we're stuck in neutral.
1: I think the right term would be called holding and buying. Like the Devils aren't going to fire sale anything. Like I can't really see them trading away Call Paul Mary because last year um, Fitzgerald didn't want to trade away a, a guy who has a 30-goal scoring potential in Palmieri. Um, I see Zajac retiring. I see Guzov getting traded along with PK getting no, nothing out of it. So I see him. And Miles Wood, if they do trade him, they're going to get a ton for him. It would be like twice the amount that it would be for Blake Coleman.
2: I, I feel like um, I feel like Miles Wood is a player that you love on your team, but you hate to go up against him because he just seems like someone who's like – he's a pest. He, he'll get under your skin.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the, the Marshawn feel. Like, you love him on your team. You hate – you completely hate him when he plays against you. So, it's like, you know, he's got that, you know, physical – swagger type game that you, you love to harness, but you hate to ha- have it go against you. Right. And, you know,
2: it, it's going to be interesting to see what the devils do at the deadline. Like I've, i I've done a couple of like trade rumor episodes where, you know, I talk about, could they potentially like get Pierre-Luc Dubois, if that was possible, a majority of the fan base said, <laughs> no, like, like I did a poll, like I usually, I'm not sure if you see my polls on Twitter or not, I, I I post uh, polls, uh, you know, before I post the episode. Would you like to see this player being dealt to the New Jersey Devils? A majority of people said no. We do not want to get Pierre Luc Dubois. I said, okay. What about Sam Bennett? Then we, people were mixed about it, and then uh, and then Jack Eichel. Yeah. People were were majority said no, but it was still pretty close. It was still pretty even.
1: Like, I saw people getting high on um, Phil Forsberg, you know, uh, Vinny Parise of uh, Pucks and Pitchworks came up with a few trade ideas, and I was like, I really don't think trading, you know, a guy like Sharon Govich or a Devils first and a second or whatever in any of these trade ideas would be ideal for Forsberg because the Devils, they're still adding assets. They're still in a – growing the stage. They're not in a contending stage to give up assets for a guy like that. I think you would have to give up someone on the roster for him uh, if that were to be doable.
2: I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. Like, uh, like in hindsight, you know, let's go back to uh, uh, a couple of years ago during draft day, we, we got P.K. Subban for essentially nothing. But now we're
1: – It was – oh, my – yeah, I'm trying.
2: I'm yeah, it was uh, a couple, couple minor leaguers. <laughs> Nothing I, sp- I,
1: special. Yeah. Um. What was his name? I was trying to think of his name. Oh, God. He was. He went yeah, to North. Yeah, Davies East. was one of them, but it, was,
2: it was another player as well. He was, a, and also I think a. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, who did we try? uh Santini, Steven Santini.
1: And and, uh, two second second round round draft picks. Yeah, Santini and uh, Wood played at BC when they were developing there. Uh, Santini just could never really break the lineup under Hines. And even when they made the change, they just never could make it. And that's one of the reasons why they gave him in the trade. It's just, you know, sometimes you don't win every trade.
2: Yeah. And I think the Predators were just saying, you know what, his production is going down Uh, despite him being on the cover of NHL 19 last year, we don't want him on our team. So we're going to sell him, uh, do a salary dump. And now he's your problem. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so sad because (laughs) the thing is, is that, so like um, last season, obviously we didn't make the playoffs, but the season before uh, we, we missed the playoffs again, but, the season before that, we, we went to the playoffs, but we lost to um, the Tampa Bay Lightning in in five games in the first round. So, you know, uh, I think the mindset was is that we just need one more piece to make us consistent playoff, uh, you know, a, a consistent playoff team once again. So, you know, we have these young players in Jack Hughes, Mackenzie Blackwood, and Nico Heijer. We have Taylor Hall, who's an MVP caliber player. If we give P.K. Subban a former Norris Trophy winner, then – I think we're going back to the playoffs.
1: I mean, yeah, that was the the theoretical side, but then it just ratio in years before, like he never really acquired a guy in free agency to help supplement, you know, and allow the other prospects to really develop. And it just seemed like it all started to fall apart after that. So really, I think, the way things shaped up is that, you know, had there been a little bit more acquiring a few pieces here and there, maybe the doubles end up making the playoffs, but you never end up getting Jack Hughes.
2: That is a good, that is a good point. That like, would you sacrifice the pass for, the present It's so hard to it, it's so because it's so hard to say because like i know jack hughes is having a great year right now but did you know that uh last season he was statistically the worst performing first overall uh draft pick since joe thornton in i believe 1997 so um uh, to give you some reference patrick stefan uh who's now infamous for missing a wide open breakaway uh shot uh, for for what what was it the Dallas uh, I, I believe it was the Dallas Stars or the Atlanta Thrashers but he, either way he missed a, a wide open open breakaway he statistically still had a better rookie season uh, than Jack Hughes so you know just you know who, just putting that up.
1: you want to know who who else is having a, a really bad Lafreniere. year Alexi Lafreniere not I'm not sure if anyone else you too but I was like that is really, really, really hard for that kid breaking in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's because, you know, he was all like all this hype about him, uh, the simulation on, on uh, NHL 20 to see like, you know, what could he potentially do in 19 games played? He only had four points. Yeah. There, there's your, there's your first overall pick for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like I always, when I usually write articles about players that are, whether they're in, Juniors or the SHL, or even at the NHL level, I always tell people you know, every player has a different curve or bell curve. And, you know, Jack Hughes's development curve is a lot smaller than, you know, like Alexi Lafreniere's current uh, first year in the league. And so take that for what it's worth statistically, but. Jack is on the right path on development the way he's physically. He's really coming into his own and he's playing a less stressful um, system under Lindy Ruff where he can play his own game and, you know, create the pace he wants.
2: Um, I would agree to that. You know, I think just Jack Hughes, he took it upon himself to get better because it was – you see a lot of, like, rookies who struggle in their uh, freshman year and then, you know um... –
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Make the initiative to get better or just, you know, try to develop. Jack Hughes took the initiative like he knew it was his uh, duty to just uh, try to improve upon his game. So uh, obviously we saw a lot of similarities between uh, Patrick Kane and uh, Jack Hughes just due to their similar stature of them being, you know, very undersized and underweight for their position. But obviously things went a little better for uh, Patrick Kane to say the least. So um overall I think it's just like um I, I yeah I, I think it's just uh Jack Hughes just making it uh just trying to play more aggressive because last season he did lead the team in in breakaways and now this year it's uh turning into uh goals. So uh Jack Hughes is is definitely uh performing a lot better than I think what a lot of people anticipated for him to do. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I I think uh, it worked out for Joe Thornton. Like, Joe, like I said, Joe Thornton statistically didn't have a good uh, rookie year after being selected first overall, but look at where Joe, Joe Thornton is now. He's basically – I know he's not playing with the Sharks anymore, but uh, he's basically an icon out there in San Jose. Like he could realistically run for mayor of San Jose <laughs> and win it easily.
1: Yeah, I I really like Jumbo Joe when he was playing in San Jose. Well, he was, of course, traded from Boston. And he and Marlowe have been the two major heads of that San Jose franchise and an icon for so many years. And, you know, the Devils have a really good left-handed shot in Jack Hughes. And I can see the way he's progressing. You know, you never want to rush players above this guy's – you know, going to be the next great thing. You want to temper expectations, let them play out, and you see blossom into that full-time, you know, like player they turn into, whether it's they hit that first line elite forward or they're that Hall of Famer or they're that not-so-good player.
2: And I think Jack Hughes is heading in the right direction of just – uh becoming a really good centerpiece for the New Jersey Devils. Like I I was talking to uh Craig Custance about this on my show because for any of you who don't know, Craig Custance is uh the editor-in-chief for the NHL's US branch of the athletic. Uh he's a former reporter for ESPN and also has appeared on um, NHL Network as well. He basically said that Jack Hughes, with the, the amount of work ethic he has and being under Lindy Ruff's new system, he expected Jack Hughes to just have a comeback year. And, you know, he, here he is. He's basically doing what he did for Team USA. I
1: absolutely agree with it. And, you know, Team USA is actually growing a lot of really good from the US NTDP. And, you know, I'm sure... You've probably seen Trevor's egress, and he is progressing in the direction for the Anaheim Ducks fans to follow suit. And he's got, you know, uh, Getzloff to thank for his progression. And, you know, when you have those kind of veterans really under their tutelage, uh, they need to become really successful.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, they they do have a, uh, they they do have the tools to be successful. And speaking of Team USA, like I know when they came to um to my college to uh, play my 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 school, Adrian College, you know I was able to see Jack Hughes's uh, little brother Luke play, and you know Luke uh, is showing shades of uh, Quinn and uh, Jack. So, and I believe Luke is going to be playing at the University of Michigan, uh, or he's committed to play there. So. Um, yeah, that, yeah. So team USA does produce a lot of good players.
1: Yeah. And i about what I've, I've told people this, not just at the puck authority, but I've written an article saying to friends of mine, I said, don't be surprised if you see five defensemen taken in the 21 draft year or the 21 draft class, because, this year's draft it looks like it's gonna get delayed um, into twenty two because of what's going on in this world. And there's not enough sufficient data to really come up with scouting reports and you know, some leagues are on and off and some leagues postpone, you know, because of what we're dealing with, but we we'll eventually get out of it and um and there could be two back to back drafts, but um I'm not sure if you heard this, but um the there was a Thirty-One Thoughts podcast by Elliot Freeman. They talked about um, an amendment, possible collective bargaining agreement, to make adjustment for that. Really? Yeah. If you go to Elliot Friedman's uh, Thirty-One Thoughts podcast, mm-hmm. the most recent podcast.
2: Uh, Elliot, Elliot, what again?
1: Friedman. F R. M A N. Oh there it is. Yeah. Right. I actually listen to him every other week. I as much as I can. Um he's a very good source of information for any of the listeners don't know, Elliot Friedman's kinda like the he's like the hockey insider that breaks things before they happen and when they happen and makes them official when Bob Mackenzie's not around.
2: Well, that's good to know. That I'm always looking for like new things to like listen to.
1: I've been listening to listening to him for years and years, uh, and if you follow him on Twitter, um, you'll see that um, he does about uh, not just his 31 thoughts about all the other teams and stuff like that, but he also puts out. Um, like what's going around the league and if you ask him a question you know he could probably tell you or not and he does have really good NHL sources really close to the situation
2: well it's always good to find new connections to like you know get the latest uh you know information out there or or uh hear what what's going on and you know, always list, always uh, looking for, like, new podcasts to, like, listen to and just, you know, list, like, on my way to school or on my way to work, whatever the case might be.
1: And I want to say this, um, you really impressed me today. And um, how did you – I know you mentioned this on your podcast, but how did you first get into Devils hockey?
2: How did I get into Devils hockey? Um, it's actually – it's actually an array of things. So I have family in New Jersey. Um, so you know, I I've spent a good amount of my summers in New Jersey. So just like you know, <laughs> um, I guess forced to like watch them on TV at times. Uh, I started a little. I started watching a little late, though. I'll be a little honest. But you know, at the same time, um, and, and here's actually a cool story that I've never shared on my on, on my. Um, on my show. Uh so you remember uh, uh what was his name Stefan Neeson Neeson yes yeah, Ste- Stephan
1: Stefan Nason yeah the yeah, former uh, devil the um he he was picked up off waivers from uh, the Ducks uh,
2: I believe he's with the Sharks now. Um he started uh, so, oh,
1: with the gulls
2: so his I actually well, it's been years since I've spoken to her. I actually uh, know know his wife, uh, Allison. She 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 was a she was a uh, dancer at the University of Detroit Mercy, uh, which is the college she went to, and I was a ball boy there for six years. So, huh. um, yeah for for she was I believe a dancer there for two years. So I was there for a total six years uh, working as a ball boy. So she was there my first two years, and obviously I I still follow her on on like social media. So I see that, Hey, like, you know, your husband plays for the New Jersey devils. That's actually kind of cool. And also like (laughs) uh, when PK, when I heard that PK Subban was going to the New Jersey devils, that obviously uh, kind of um, uh, you know, impacted just my me getting more invested into them and just, you know, putting more time into it. But overall, just, I've always had a special place in my heart for New Jersey.
1: Well, that's a very good story. I started out – I haven't told many people this story on the podcast, but um, when I first moved to New Jersey in 2005, um, it was the 2005-2006 season in August, and a good buddy of mine is a Devils fan, still is, named Alex Goldstein. Thank you. Um, It was during lunch that he got me interested in Devils – person was a ranger fan and she tried to get me into it. i said sorry but uh, my family's from new jersey they've been in new jersey since 1664 when it was new netherlands and i don't feel that uh, special with the city of I don't feel like you know the rangers would represent me and i said you know my my mom's side is from jersey and i just really love the red and black and i just really love the history of the team. And I like that, you know, they represent um, the people of New Jersey and they way of representing players. Uh, Like they really had a good history, bring in the former Soviet union players. Um, If you ever get a chance to watch uh, the red army movie, um, I highly uh, recommend it because they talk a lot about from the, Soviet army side of what happened both good and bad
2: i'll definitely give that a a, a listen or or uh, or or read more into it i should say
1: it it's really interesting because um Lou Lamarola was one of the guys that brought in uh, a couple of guys like uh byage to name one of the several guys um, that came into New Jersey and the Dells needed to be a bit more but uh, guys that I really liked when I first became a fan was um, John Madden um, in 2005 and it was great to see a lot of, uh, Ron is from uh, Western Mass and Like all these, you know, veteran players around. And then Jay Pandolfos from my home state. And a few years later, uh, Dinah Zubras, who's from Lithuania, my paternal grandfather's family came from Lithuania, from Kaunas and Vilnius. And um, I eventually met uh, Zubras um, in 2011, 2012 season. And he signed my autograph and I told him family history. So, I always felt a special place for um for Zubras as a as a player and as a fan I just couldn't help but get to learn more about the players.
2: Yeah, and um I I, I know that feeling too. I recently just had one just like a, a month ago when I spoke to uh Curtis Gabriel. Um Curtis Gabriel is a former Uh, New Jersey Devil. He played uh, just one season with them, albeit he's not the biggest NHL uh, name, but just the fact that I was able to get an NHL player onto my show uh, and just do that interview. And for the first time, it really just said, wow, it's like, you know, it's that kind of aha moment, like you're meant to do this kind of thing. So, like, it's just nice to have those special connections and those special stories. And funny part is Curtis Gabriel is now playing with San Jose, which is where uh, uh, Neeson is playing. So it's just like it's like uh, it's if, if it wasn't the Devils, I'd probably do the Sharks. But uh, I, I <laughs> wouldn't change it any other way.
1: You know, um, when I first started watching NHL hockey, because in Western Mass you have just the Bruins and you have the Hartford back which is the rail um, i was only watching college hockey being like umass and when i got to watching the devils um, i couldn't help but uh, also i'm following the atlanta thrashers because my i used to watch baseball but um, i used to be a Braves fan all the way till 2011 so i just you know, all the way through till they got relocated. and um, I wish I could watch more of the Canadian feed, but um, I would like to still be able to watch that, but I really like the way the Jets really turned around since they left Atlanta, but um, I always liked that old Atlanta jersey as a second favorite team that can win it. They really have turned out
2: yeah and uh the atlanta thrashers um that that's where uh craig custance the, the person i told you about like uh a while ago uh just um overall o- overall that's the first team he covered um when he was getting into hockey so uh the atlanta thrashers i remember reading about when they're. When their mascot Thrash got arrested for a quote unquote publicity stunt. Um, Just uh, (laughs) that was also, that was very funny because I thought it was real because, and I had this sports website when I was a kid, just like posting stuff. And um, when I saw Atlanta thrashers mascot gets arrested for stealing a Zamboni, I was just like, Oh no, (laughs) he got arrested. It was just a publicity stunt to sell more tickets. So, um, so, cause you know, it, it, uh, he won't be released from jail unless uh, this amount of tickets are sold. I can't believe I thought that was real, uh, but you know, at the same time, it was funny. So, Atlanta Thrashers also kind of, uh, you know, stick in my mind just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I well, one of the things about the Atlanta Thrashers and Devils is not just the Ilya Kovalchuk trade, but also Bobby Holik used to play from 2005 to the 2007 2008 season before he came back to New Jersey. So there there's a player that people who was physical and he could score.
2: Physical and he can score. Maybe he should shoot up for the New Jersey Devils. I'm I'm joke, joking by the way.
1: <laughs> Not when you're fifty years old unless you're Yarmir Yager. <laughs>
2: I, I've seen I've seen a lot of players play until they're in their forties. So what's fifty got to do with it?
1: Fifty's the new forty.
2: But... Yeah, prop. That's probably it.
1: Yeah, that's probably the way things are rolling now. It's too quick. Otherwise, we still have a lot of players still left. But I was going to say, what you got going um, for the next couple of episodes?
2: Well, uh obviously the Devils play in what like an hour or two, so I got to I got to um cover the I got to do a late night episode where I give my opinions on the game. Usually it's a rant because the Devils usually disappoint me especially their specialty teams. And um I'm also going to do an episode covering about uh PK Subban and his strugg- struggles and um, yeah, and also inform people that I spoke to you and came on <laughs> to this show. I just uh had a Overall, nice conversation. Yeah, that's that's basically why I got on tabs. It usually, it's especially easier to plan out episodes, especially since we're in season and so much changes that at a time. So, you know, um, uh, I can always talk about trade rumors. I can talk about contracts, whatever the case might be. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I, I have a buddy of mine who keeps me in safe. Like, wrap up, I would like to say, you know, this was really well thought out, and I thank you for coming on. You know, within twenty four hours, um,
2: I was I was kind of surprised when I got the invite, but I'm glad I uh, accepted it because this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah i I always like promoting other podcasters on, especially doubles podcasters. Um, just giving everyone a voice. If you're looking for another NHL voice, you got to get Cam Jansen on. He's very funny. uh, How do I say he? Too much? He's he's a fun person to have on.
2: Cam Jansen?
1: J-A-N-S-E-N. Look up the Cam and Strict podcast. He was also on this podcast um, with me and Jim Berringer almost a year ago. All right.
2: I'll give him, I'll give him, I'll try to give him a shout. Sounds like a lot of fun. I love, like I said, I love having people on my show.
1: Yeah. He tells a lot of good old stories that you probably might not have remembered or seen, but um, I still remember him, you know, throwing the, throwing his weight around in fights and the Pierre-Luc, uh, Laterno LeBlanc fight, or is the, Three, uh, they like to call him. Um, that thing lasted for over two minutes.
2: <laughs> oh man, sounds entertaining.
1: Oh my god, you got to look up the fights on YouTube. You you, you just got to watch it, and it's so entertaining. If you if you like Curtis Gabriel, you'll love him.
2: Well, I, I did love Curtis, and he's a great, humble guy. So I might. I might uh I might like him. So yeah, that's uh that sounds that sounds cool.
1: Uh, coming on, this was a wonderful podcast. Uh, podcast. Let's go. go. Intervals. peace thank you welcome